Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endureth to all generations. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. On a Tuesday night, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In the middle of your battle, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In the, in the middle of a corrupt generation, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, let's lift our hands and give God praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bless his name. Let's thank him for his blessings. Let's thank him for his loving kindness and his tender mercy. Ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's lift up holy hands without wrath without doubting hallelujah 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 praise be to god praise be to god how many like what you feel in the house of the lord tonight amen what a wonderful atmosphere what a wonderful spirit of worship and thanksgiving unto the name of jesus christ I came to lift up Jesus. Amen. I came to worship him. I don't know what you came to do. That's what they used to sing. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I came to clap my hands. I came to stomp my feet. I came to run the aisles. I came to dance for joy. And I know what you came to do. But I came to praise the Lord. Woo! Has God been good to anybody in this house tonight? That might be good enough for a denominational church, but I'm not sure that's good enough for a blood-washed, Jesus-name, tongue-talking church. Has God been good to anybody in this house tonight? Has he brought you out? The Bible said he brought me out to bring me in. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Look at the person next to you say, I'm glad I'm in church tonight. Now turn to the other person on the other side. Tell him, you better get ready. God's going to do something. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. It is an honor. It is a privilege to be here with you in Elk Grove, Sacramento at the Great Rock Church. And we give honor to your pastor and his wife his family, the Young family, and to Bishop Wilson, and Sister Wilson, and to Bishop Young, and Sister Young. These are, these are legends in Pentecost that are on the cutting edge of what God is doing, not just in the United States, but around the world, 
And there is such a burden and a passion and there is such vision that is present in their ministries. And I'm so thankful that we can have this time together to lift up Jesus. I, I'm honored to be with my brother tonight and over the course of this last weekend. Thank you for letting us minister in this great pulpit tonight. Thank you for worshiping with us and allowing us to join in with you. Amen. Amen. We don't get a chance to do it often, but when we do, we love to take the time to, to minister the Word of the Lord together. God has been so good. We were talking today, and, and you know, we, we realized that there was a time when our great-grandfather did not have heritage, and he did not have legacy. And every family has an Abraham. Every family has an Abraham that says, I will hear the voice of God. I will obey the voice of God. I will come out from my family and my kindred, my tongue, my people, and my nation, and I will separate myself unto the Lord, unto a land that He is going to show me. Amen. And I'm going to believe the promises of God, and I'm going to stagger not at the promises. Aren't you glad you didn't give up? Come on. Aren't you glad you didn't throw in the towel? Aren't you glad you didn't stop when hell came after you? But you, you lifted up your eyes and you saw the promises afar off and you confessed them and you embraced them. Hallelujah. Woo. I, I feel electricity in this house tonight. There's healing in this house tonight. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to do a little preaching tonight. We're going to see how it goes. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 15. And I don't know how long I'm going to go. I might just be the hors d'oeuvre before the main course. Amen. I love my brother. We had a wonderful time last night addressing the leadership of this great church. And the Holy Ghost moved into that room. And I believe the Holy Ghost is going to move into this room tonight. Amen. He's going to help us. Acts chapter 15 and verse 14, this is what the apostle said. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people. Everybody say a people. To take out of them a people for his name. And I'm not going to preach anything earth-shattering or I'm not going to try to plumb the depths. I'm, I just want to take a little time and I want to talk about Jesus. Can I do that tonight? Can I just take a moment and talk about Jesus in this place? I want to brag on Jesus tonight. I'm thankful that I know who he is. I want to preach to you for a few moments on this subject the people of the name of Jesus the people of the name of Jesus God bless you you can be seated in the presence of the Lord I took a little time to write down a few things because I wanted to convey a little bit of information that was extra tonight because I believe that 
that this Bible that we love and that we read and we hold so dear, that it is a book about Jesus. It is not a denominational book. It is not, it is not a, a Catholic book or a Baptist book or, or a Methodist book or, or whatever name or label you want to put on it. it is, it's a book about God. Every scripture in there is bringing us to Jesus. The law is the schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus Christ. Amen. Line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. We're going to learn this and we're going to come to Jesus. And when we get the word of God that way, your Bible has a blessed promise for you. And it tells you something wonderful will happen to you. And before I tell you what will happen to you, let me tell you what it does not say. It does not say that you will say a sinner's prayer. And it doesn't say that you'll join a church's roster. And it doesn't say that you'll count beads or splash water. But what it does say is, with stammering lips and another tongue, God will speak to his people, to whom he said, this, this. What is this? The stammering lips and the other tongue. That's the this. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Amen. And that was the outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of Jesus would come down into the hearts of men and women. So, so tonight, it's all about Jesus. If you're here, you're going to hear Acts 2.38. If you're here for any length of time, because Acts 2.38 is all about Jesus. Amen. When you repent of your sins, you get His forgiveness. And when you get baptized in the name of Jesus, you get His name. But ladies and gentlemen, when you get the Holy Ghost, you get him. You get him. He fills you up from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet. And I'm glad I've got Jesus like that. It's a book about Jesus. And there, there are dynamics that I want to try to grab a hold of tonight. Because if you're not familiar with that concept, that it really is all about him... People have mistakenly tried to label us because we view the Bible that way, and they call us stuff like Jesus only. Jesus only. But that's just because they don't know who Jesus is. Amen. Jehovah's salvation. Yeshua HaMosheah. Jesus. Amen. We're baptized in his name. We're filled with his spirit. And I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. You need to get comfortable saying the name Jesus. You need to get comfortable singing about the name of Jesus. You need to talk about his blood. You need to talk about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You need to talk about his miracles. You need to talk about his love. Talk about his mercy and talk about his amazing grace. 
talk about Jesus. Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. The old song says, sad one, weep no more. He'll heal the brokenhearted. Open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. I came to preach to somebody. I came to preach you out of your depression, preach you out of your skepticism, preach you out of your criticism, and I came to preach Jesus. Somebody say that name with me. Jesus. Say it again. Say Jesus. I came to talk about Jesus. Amen. When you read the Bible, you can be under the impression that, that there's stories in the Bible about people in the Bible. And that's really not true. There's no story in that Bible that's about anybody but God. <laughs> well, that's not true, Brother Urshan. You know there's a story of Jonah, and that's about Jonah. It's not about Jonah. It's about God. And it's about a guy named Jonah that was having trouble listening to that God. And I know it talked about the whale, but the whale was just there to get him to look to God. And it's about Nineveh, but it was Nineveh turning to God. And I know it's about the gourd, but, but that's just because God wanted to deal with a disobedient prophet named Jonah. It's all about Jesus. I know you thought it was about Daniel in the lion's den, but that's just God's representative on the earth that was standing in front of a heathen king and saying, I'll never worship another God. I'll never bow to the king of this earth. There's only one true and living God. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Deborah and Barak and Abraham and Isaac and... And, and all of the patriarchs and prophets, they all testified of Jesus. I want to tell every person here tonight, if you want to do the will of your heavenly Father, testify about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Preach Jesus. Amen. My brother likes to say, uh, tell a story uh, about a man who condescendingly said to him in his younger years, he said, he said, Joel, you apostolics, you, you really are uneducated. You're really not as smart as we are. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like this. And he said, you can only preach about four or five things, max. And he named off some topics. He said, there'll be some, some you know, some variation, but it boils down to those basic four or five topics. And as a young man, he, he wrestled with that idea and he tried to to formulate a response and he did respond well but as he got older he came to an understanding as he came into his own and his own relationship with God grew into what it is today he said I wish I would have looked back at that man and said the truth sir is we don't even have that many topics to preach about we have one and we preach Jesus we preach Christ and him crucified hallelujah we preach Jesus in the morning we preach Jesus at night we we preach Jesus in the good times and we preach Jesus in the bad times. We preach Jesus in the good weather and we preach Jesus in the storm. But everywhere we go and everyone we meet, we're going to preach Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And there is a people that represent him. And they carry his spirit. And they carry his name. We are the people of the name of Jesus. I want you to understand that tonight. I want you to, I want you to walk out of this place tonight carrying the name of Jesus on you. If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized before, don't leave this building. Please. Paul said it like this, I beseech thee. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. This preacher in this pulpit, I beseech thee. I beg you, don't leave this building without being baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. Not Father, not Son, not Holy Ghost, because those titles refer to one, and that one is Jesus. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see one throne and one who sits upon that throne. And ladies and gentlemen, that's Jesus. I want every young person to hear what I'm preaching. I want every elder to rest assured that we're going to preach Jesus. Amen. And there's a rejection that comes with that. David said that the reproaches of them that reproach thee have fallen upon me because the zeal of thine house hath consumed me, hath eaten me up. When you get ate up with Jesus, you become like Jesus. If they called the master a devil, what will they call you? If they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him that sent you. I came to not only rejoice in Jesus, but I came to bear his reproach and to bear his rejection. And I'm not ashamed of him. When they laugh at you, when they mock you young ladies because of your uncut hair, and when they mock you young men because of your cut hair, what they're doing is they're mocking Jesus. They're mocking the spirit of holiness. They're mocking the power of God that rests upon you. You're not like them. You don't talk like them. You don't dress like them. You don't conduct yourself like them because you're not of this world. You belong to your master, and your master is Jesus. And there is, an, there is an anger. There is what the Bible calls a rage. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of this earth and the rulers, the people, they take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointed is Jesus. And the Lord is Jesus. And if you know that, you're a blessed people. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm called to the end of the book of Proverbs when, when the writer said, I don't have the knowledge of the holy, and I'm not worthy to look into the holy. Surely I'm more brutish than any beast. But, but who is it that ascended up into heaven? And who gathered the winds in his fist? Amen. What is his name? And what is his son's name? If thou canst tell. If you know his name and his son's name, you are a blessed people. You are a people of the name. If you've been baptized in that name, if you've laid hands on the sick in that name, if you've cast out devils in that name, then you are a part of God's elect you're the people of the name of Jesus. 
I came to get red in the face. I came to push back devils. I came to talk to lukewarm people. I came to talk to people on the fence. Now's not the time to backslide. Now's not the time to fall in love with the world. Now's the time to love him. Come on, on a Tuesday night, I'm preaching to the people of the name. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And you have borne that reproach. People have laughed at you because you baptized in Jesus' name. Armchair quarterbacks who didn't take the time to read the rest of the verses mocked you. People who were too lazy to move past Matthew 28, 19. People that were too lazy to look past the traditions that were spoon-fed to them by two millennia of dark age corruption have laughed at you and pressured you and excluded you and, and tried to push you out of the arena and the sphere of religious instruction. But there are a people that planted their feet and said, Peter didn't go anywhere, James didn't go anywhere, John didn't go anywhere, and I'm not going anywhere. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, and so am I. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, because it's the power of God unto salvation. You planted your feet, and you endured that criticism. They said, you can't come to our colleges. You're a cult. You're a weird little offshoot. You are cultic in your approach. Funny, because every, every apostle was baptized in Jesus' name. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was baptized in Jesus' name. Now, come on, come on. If Mary doesn't get a pass, then... If anybody should have a free ride, it should be Mary. If anybody should have an inside track, it should be Mary. What is she going to do? Get to heaven and say, all right, son. Now, you listen here. I gave birth to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can't help myself. But, 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 but Mary, Mary is the one. Mary is the one that gave birth to God. And God turned around and gave birth to her. And if Mary was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, brother, I promise you, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. Somebody needs to speak the name in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the people of his name. We're the people of his name. I came to preach about the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're here tonight and you come from an Anglo-Saxon heritage, you have a little remnant of that. If your name tonight, I wrote a few of these names down. If your last name is Baker, 
It's because somebody in your past baked bread. And the king gave you your name according to your trade. You were part of a tradesman of the Anglo-Saxon heritage way back in the motherland. If you are a butler, then you were a server. If you were a fletcher, you made arrows. That's your heritage. That's where you come from. If you were a cooper, if we have any coopers, they, they were the ones who made the rounded wood that fit into barrels that held wine and oil. That's what coopers did. And so every cooper has that in their background. If you are a smith, somewhere you pounded steel and, and iron and you shaped it in a forge. If you are a naismith, you, you actually were a specific kind of a smith that, that, that hammered nails. That's where those names come from. And that's where you get an English heritage that, that many of us know today. People don't even think about it anymore. They just assume that's where they come from and somehow they got that name. But you need to understand the power of the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. You got to know that the name of God is woven throughout every person in that Bible. It's woven all throughout the storylines. And, and it was stories about men, but it was men who represented God. Stories about women, but women who prayed to God. And the underlying theme, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus is coming. And he put his name, he meant this so much and put such emphasis on it that he put his name upon them from the very beginning. If I had the time, I have a little time, I could spend a, a, a goodly amount on it, but just, just to give you a small example of how that name worked. Every L suffix and prefix means God. It comes from the word Elohim. And they took that word and they shortened it. They contracted it. Kind of like when someone says cannot and they contract it to can't. Or if you're from Mississippi, can't. And they contracted Elohim into L. And so every time you have an L in the Bible, E-L, before or after a name, God was saying, I'm with them. This is about me. It's not about them. I got message for somebody tonight. This is not about you. And this is not about me. I don't want to get offended if I don't get asked to sing. I don't want to get offended if I don't get included in something. I don't want to get offended because I feel like my pride got hurt and my little sensibilities got hurt because it's not about me and it's not about you. It really is about Jesus. It's really about birthing sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. It really is about praising him. I came to praise his name. I came to praise his name. Somebody say Jesus. So if you ever read, if you ever read these names, God was working with him. The name Gabriel and the name Michael and Ezekiel and Daniel and Nathaniel and Joel and J.L. Sometimes you got to have a woman if there's not a man that can step up and drive a tent stake through the head of the enemies of God. And it's because God was with her. 
Joel and Jael are the same name. One's masculine and one's feminine. And they mean Jehovah is God. Somebody had a revelation of who he was. And they said, it doesn't matter where I'm at. God's going to give me strength in my circumstance. And Sisera isn't getting away today. Hallelujah. One name that, that, that resonates with, with me tonight, and I want to get this across to this people. I want you to know where this hatred comes from, where this rejection comes from. The Hebrew word for name is Shem. That's the name, Shem. S-H-E-M, Shem, and that should ring a bell because it's that Shem that was on the ark. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And so Shem literally means name, name. And it is not a coincidence that the nation of Israel comes from the line of Shem. Ham goes one way, Japheth goes another way, but Shem, he becomes the people of God. From his loins springs the Abrahamic covenant. Comes the Arabs, comes the Jews. Eventually Christianity is an offspring of that. They come from the people of Shem. Quite literally, they are the people of the name. The people of the name. Praise God. And, and, and that word Shem, those people become Hebrews. They become Jews. They, they, the tribe of Judah takes precedence. And as time goes on and kingdoms split, they're just known as Jews. But, but they are from Shem or, or what they would call Shemitic people. And it, it morphed into the word Semitic people. Semitic people that come from that lineage and that line. And if you've ever researched or read the news and you see Semitic or maybe anti-Semitic, then you know that there is a spirit of hatred that's in this world that is against that specific line. That specific line has a hatred towards it unlike any other hatred. It's an old hatred. It's a demonic hatred. Anti-Semitism, if, if you read about the conflict between Israel and, and the nations and the crimes against Israel and, and, and all the conflicts of Israel, it was against a Semitic people. And I'm here to, to talk about it tonight because as a one God apostolic, we have a splash over effect in the reproach because we too are people of the name. There's an in-ground and inbred hatred towards that line because the devil knows Messiah's coming through that line. The devil knows that that's the line that's going to give birth to the one that puts the serpent underneath his feet. That that's the one that's going to be the blind eye opener and the lame leg healer and the deaf ear unstopper. That's the one that's going to feed the multitudes. That's the one that's going to cast the devils into the pigs. That's the one that's going to come again. That's the one that's going to come on a white horse and the armies of heaven following after him. 
That's the one who's going to descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise to follow him. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm preaching about Jesus. And the devil will do anything in his power to kill that name. And so when you deal with Goliath and you deal with Amalek and you deal with the Philistines and you deal with every enemy that came against the people of the name. I'm talking about all the way up to Hitler and gas chambers and Dachau and Auschwitz and all the horrors of the Luftwaffe and the, and the Third Reich, all the horrors of Nazi Germany. It was an attempt by a demonic power to stamp out the Shemitic people that had a heritage from God, that were the harbingers of eternity, that carried the oracles of God, that would give birth to Christianity, that would celebrate the one, the one who would take away our sins, the one who would die and who would be buried and who would rise again on the third day the one who has the keys of death and hell and the grave I came to preach about Jesus amen that that name the people of that name I felt that rejection my whole life and it's just a little bit of a taste of the anger that hell has and this world has I don't want to be ashamed of that name. His name is Jesus. Amen. There's more. There's more names. Um, J.L. Samuel. Samuel. Now that, that's name Samuel. We've anglicized it. We've, we've turned it English. But if you read it in Hebrew, it's not Samuel. It's Shemuel. And it means the name of God. Hallelujah. And it was Shemuel who carried the horn of oil. It was Shemuel that brought King David into the authority of his kingship. Amen. There's an anointing in the name of God. There's a power in the name of God. The name of God comes carrying a cruise of oil and knows how to pour an anointing onto a king to raise him up to fight against the enemies of God's people. There's an anointing in this place when you start speaking the name of God. When you say Muhammad, there is no anointing. When you say Buddha, there is no anointing. When you say Hare Krishna, there is no anointing. But honey, we, if you want to get hell mad, if you want to turn hell on its heel, you got to start speaking the name of Jesus. Speak Jesus. Speak Jesus. On a Tuesday night, somebody... I'm talking about the name, the name of God. It matters. Amen. When, 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 when Shemuel anointed David, David became the next king of Israel. David received an anointing into his life. There's anointing in the name of God. Hallelujah. 
that it was that that name and this there's some debate here but there is there are people who believe that that name Shemuel is related to Shema which is here Shem is name Shema is here and they're both related to the name Shemuel there's debate among etymologists and scholars and rabbis but the idea is that there's a correlation between the one God and the hearing ear amen hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord amen I want to know who he is. I want to know what his name is. And, and Brother Kifle, I want my ears open to who he is. I want to step through the doorway because, by the way, he is the door. I want to step through that door. And I want my ears to be open. And I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to baptize in any other name. I don't ever want to preach any other message. I don't ever want to walk away from it. I've got Jesus, and that's enough. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. He taught all about Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I read the writings of one rabbi, Bishop Wilson, that said that even the name Israel is more than what people realize. They believe that it is, it is a conglomerate name, kind of, kind of like NASA each letter standing for a greater truth and it means something and what they have some have posited is that that name Israel is Isaac Sarah Rebecca Abraham and El I don't know if it's true but it sounds really good and I'm preaching it on a Tuesday night because I know he looked at Jacob and said, I'm the God of Abraham and I'm the God of Isaac and I'll be your God too. And I'm going to change your name as a prince. You have prevailed. I'm telling you, God's with us. Don't you be ashamed of who he is. God is with us. I want his name attached to my name. I want his character attached to my character. I want to take on the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the name of Jesus. Unto us a son is born, and unto us a child is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And you'll call his name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Father and the Prince of Peace. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Somebody say the name Jesus in this house. Amen. You can remain standing tonight. This is why we baptize in the name of Jesus. This is why in Acts chapter 2, he said that we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That God was going to take a people out of the Gentiles for his name.
It's why in Acts chapter 8 that they baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's why in Acts chapter 10 Cornelius and his family were baptized in the name of Jesus. It's why in Acts chapter 19 they were re-baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you've ever been baptized any other way, be re-baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands to heaven and give God praise tonight. Ah, hallelujah. Lift your voice to heaven and give God praise tonight. I want some young men to fall in love with the name of Jesus. I want some young women to fall in love with the peculiarity of the name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that name. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, let's lift our hands and lift our voices in this house. Let's give God praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on, all across this building, let the people of the name of Jesus give him the praise for which only he is worthy to receive. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we love you. We give you praise. How many love the word of God? How many love the name of Jesus? My, 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 what a word from the Lord that we have heard tonight. The name. I'm glad to be the people of the name. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. We just need to lift up that name, that precious name. Hallelujah. With uplifted hands and uplifted voices, thank God for his name. That is the strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Urshan, for the word of God. And it is in keeping with what the Lord has laid upon my heart for tonight. I just want to tag in with what has been preached. And I'm going to be reading from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 22. And what a great, great week this has been. Pastor and Sister Young and the Young family, God bless you. Bishop and Sister Wilson, God bless you. Bishop and Sister Young, God bless you. Bless the Rock Church. We had such a wonderful time last night. And um, it has already been said, but I, I want to say it as well, that this has just been such a marvelous week for my brother and I. I've so enjoyed being able to hear my brother preach the Word of God. Wow, it has fed my soul. And uh, I'm so thankful for it. And I don't know when I have been more inspired than what I have been this week. The visionary leadership of this great congregation is making a difference in the world in the kingdom of God around the world and uh, to be here and to receive of it and to have it imparted to me has just been a true blessing from the Lord and I thank you for the invitation to be here and I thank you all for uh, being here and being a part of this great week from Matthew chapter 22 uh, beginning with verse 41 
The word of the Lord says this, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. And I want to point out what is said next in verse 46. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. No more questions. And I want to speak to you tonight on this subject, the answer to every question. The answer to every question. Could we lift up our voice unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of the word. God, we thank you for the heavenly manna that has come to feed our souls. The bread of life that has been ministered to us, we receive it in the precious name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that tonight you'll anoint the preaching of the word as it goes forth. Yet again, help us, I pray, to receive of you, oh God, to be changed by you, to be challenged and stirred, oh Lord, we pray. God, minister, minister in this house. We give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. Dealing with the matter of, of questions. Questions. We are familiar with the concept of a question. The question, the root of the word question is quest. It is a quest. It is a journey. It is a goal. And it is something that a person embarks upon as they try to search out understanding of a thing. And so they will begin to prod and pry and and, and they, will, they will embark upon a quest to gain knowledge. When your children were small, you remember they had questions. I remember when my beautiful little girls were little and, and they would ask questions. I remember one particular day, my oldest daughter, she was, she was little, and she was in, going through that phase of questioning everything just everything was a question daddy why this daddy how come that well why well what is that well what do you mean well how come well why and it went on and on I remember one particular day the questions were fast and furious and they just kept coming and and I I, I had answered everything I knew to answer and I didn't know what else to say and I finally just said Sweetheart, I'm sorry, I don't know. And when I did, that startled her. And she responded by saying, but Daddy, you know everything. 
And man, I hated that I had burst her bubble, but I thought, you know, she's going to figure out soon enough that I don't know everything. And uh, we all learn that we don't know everything. And we all come to a, an awareness that we don't really know anybody who does know everything except the Lord himself. And the questions, we remember them when we were small. My brother and I had questions for our parents. We remember, I remember us asking our dad, we'd, we'd be grilling him about very important things. We'd say, Dad, who would win between a Siberian tiger and a polar bear? And I think he actually had answers for us. <laughs> I don't know how scientific they were, but he had answers for us. And then as life continues, the questions grow in intensity. The questions become more serious. And the outcome of those questions and the answers to those questions gain in significance. And, and we, we begin to realize that life is full of questions and that you will find yourself asking why this and why that and why did this have to happen why did that have to happen what does this mean what does that mean what is the meaning of these things and and it just goes on and on and on and i i want to pause here and tell you that God is not afraid of your questions. You can ask God any kind of question. I've had people come to me and say, I have a question. And some have even said, this may sound like a foolish question. And you know what? The Lord just began to check me and say, you tell them they can bring any question to me. God, if, if, if it is a foolish question, God will begin to lead you and guide you and help you to understand. But when you have a question for God, don't just go to anybody. Go straight to his word. Hallelujah. Go straight to the man of God. Let your pastor explain to you. Go to the Word. Open up the Word of God. Find a quiet, secret place of prayer and have an open heart, an open mind, an open Bible and ask God anything. Hallelujah. He's a great big God. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of what troubles you. He's not afraid of what haunts you. He's not afraid of what you don't understand. He wants you to give him your questions. We talk a lot about bringing God our praise. Yes, we should bring our God, bring God our praise. But we should also bring God our questions. Hallelujah. You can ask him anything. In fact, the most complex question in all the word of God was asked by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is the most complex question. I can't find a more complex question than the question Jesus asked when he was upon the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There is no more deep of a question than that question. And yet the Lord himself asked that question. But notice where he was when he asked the question. He wasn't just asking it in a rage. He wasn't asking it in haste. He was not pounding his fist. He, 
He was nailed to the old rugged cross. And then he asked life's most complex questions. When you've got a question that is deep and troubling, a question that you need an answer to, a question that keeps you awake at night, don't ask it in a fit of fleshly rage. Don't ask it in haste and anger, but nail yourself to the old rugged cross. Be crucified with Christ. Let your flesh die with him and then ask God in the sincerity of your soul and the humility of your heart, whatever you need to ask God, no matter how troubling it may seem, regardless of how challenged it might make you feel, you can boldly approach the throne of grace and you can unburden your heart in the presence of God. You can take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Oh, hallelujah. There is no question that has taunted and haunted and tormented your mind that you cannot bring to God. Don't take your questions to some self-help theory. Don't take your questions to some new age mysticism. Don't take your questions to some kind of a her heretical teaching. Don't take your questions to a false prophet or false teacher. Don't internalize your questions and let them fester in your own self-loathing but open up your heart open up your mind open up your Bible and ask God anything I'm going to tell you that the words will pop off this page and the spirit of the Lord will speak to your soul Hallelujah. These words are not merely the words of an ancient book. These words are not just some kind of a beautiful poetry or prose. These words are spirit. These words are life. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Be aware. The enemy knows you have questions. The enemy will bring his exploiting ways to your questions. He will speak to you in a way that is seductive. He will try to woo you from the blessing of God. It was the first, these were the first words we heard from the serpent in the scriptures. When he looked at Eve, when he spoke to her, he came to her in the form of a question. He said, hath God said? Hath God said, not only was it a question, but it was a questioning, particularly a questioning of the word of God itself. Hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And as that doubtful disputation, that, that questioning of God's word began to weave its way into Eve's mind and heart, it set, it set on fire this, this course of her nature and and it began to wreak havoc and wage war against the blessing and the providence of God for her life. It's interesting to me that we encounter the serpent three chapters into the Bible. But we don't find out who he is until ten chapters before the Bible concludes. You see, the book of Genesis doesn't say outright 
the serpent is the devil, and the devil is the serpent. It explains to us that the serpent is the most subtle beast of the field, and we do receive the beautiful prophecy of the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. And, and so we, we understand who he is, but it's not until Revelation 12 that he has outright identified that old serpent, which is called the devil. Yeah, yeah. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because God wasn't interested in creating some kind of a box, a pretty little box that we would put the devil in. He wanted us to understand he may not always come to you as a slithering serpent in a garden of pleasure. He might come to you as a, as a religious figure. He, he might come to you as a professor. He, he might come to you as a politician. He might come to you as your favorite song. He might come to you as your favorite style of music. He, he might come to you as your favorite family member. You never know in what position. He might even come to you as an angel of light, a lion or a bear or a giant or even beautiful Bathsheba. You have no idea how the temptation of the serpent is going to show up in your life. And the important thing is not to identify him by how he appears, but to understand what he sounds like. Those are the words of my adversary. That's the serpent talking to me. That's the serpent trying to get me to question the word of God. Yeah. Questions, questions, questions. I know it's frustrating sometimes to ask a question and not to receive an answer. Sometimes you ask God a question and how many have ever been there when the answer was yes? Or maybe when the answer was no? Or maybe when the answer was not yet? Or perhaps there was no answer at all. And it was a prayer that you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And truth, you saw it and saw it and saw it and saw it. And it just kind of lingered out there. You have to understand, God speaks to us line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Sometimes people are looking for a precept when God is just simply going to establish a line. And sometimes people are looking for a line when God wants to establish a precept. You've got to understand God will speak to you when it is time to speak. Be still and know that I am God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Wait on him, wait on him. Let him speak to you in his time. Matthew chapter 22 is a chapter of questions. Matthew chapter 22 is a season of questions in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He is dealing with interrogators. It is one after another. They are taking counsel how they might entangle him in his words. He deals with the Herodians. The Pharisees put the Herodians up to questioning Jesus. Then he deals with the Sadducees. 
Then he deals with the Pharisees and a lawyer. And it's just, it's just on and on. It's just, the questions just keep coming. Anybody ever been there in life when it's, it's one question after another? It's a season of questions. You're trying to have faith in God, but one day after the next, you just find yourself facing one big battle after another, and the enemy is on the offense. He was in a season of questions. And while he's in this season of questions, I just want to point some things out to you. In Matthew 22, verse 15, the Bible says the Pharisees took counsel. Now, I want you to understand they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. They are having a board meeting about how they can entangle Jesus in his talk. They are forming strategies. How can we entangle him in his talk? We want to we wanna trap this guy. We want to corner this guy. That's the way the devil works. He wants to corner God in his talk. So what he'll do is he'll try to get him to contradict what he has already said in his word. If you ever come across a place in the holy word of God that looks like a contradiction, rest assured, this book never contradicts itself. If it appears to be a contradiction, keep reading, keep studying, and keep asking your pastor questions, and keep seeking God because you're on the precipice of a revelation from the Lord. There is no contradiction in His Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Every word of God is pure. But they took counsel. They're having a meeting. How are we going to entangle him in his talk? And the Bible says they sent unto him Herodians. And listen to what they say. They walk up to him. Now, they just left a board meeting where they're trying to entangle him in his talk. And they walk up to him, and these are their words. Master. Whoa, that's kind of creepy. We know that thou art true and that you teach the way of God in truth. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? What they're saying is, we know that you teach the way of God and truth. Yours is a spiritual kingdom. Yours is a kingdom that dwells in us. Yours is a kingdom that is not of this world. So, is it lawful then to give tribute unto Caesar or not? And they buttered him up. Master, we know that you are true. Listen, not everybody that calls him master does so with pure motives. And not everybody who claims to know the truth or to love truth does so with pure motives. There are a lot of people out there who use this book to try to prop up false doctrines. Don't you listen to them. You let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. Master, we know you are true. And that you teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful, therefore, to give tribute unto Caesar or not? I love what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. He perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? Show me the money. Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image? And whose superscription do you see? They said, Caesar's. Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And render unto God the things that are God's. And when they heard these things, they marveled and they left him and they went their way. The same day. 
came to him the Sadducees. Here come the Sadducees rolling up into this equation. It's a season of questioning. Can I tell you, we're living in a season of questions right now. We're living in a season where people don't know who to believe. They don't know who to trust. They don't know who to turn to. I told, I told my congregation, I said, I'm going to tell you who to trust. Let God be true and every man a liar. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so the Sadducees come rolling up and they do not believe in the resurrection. They say there is no resurrection. And they come up to him and this is what they say. They say, Master. There it is. <laughs> Just real sweet, real kind, real hypocritical. Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed. Now listen, we've got this situation where there's a friend of ours and his, he died, never did raise up seed. So his brother married his wife. They never had any children and he died. And then his brother, and, and they never had any children. And then he died. And then, then on and on it went until finally the seventh brother married her. And they never did have any kids. And now here they're all gone and they never had any kids. Now we've got a question for you. In the resurrection, because they don't believe in the resurrection. In the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? And Jesus said, <laughs> he said, you do err. Now listen, I'm going to tell you what the devil tries to do. The devil tries to take the core fundamental doctrines of God's word and tries to paint an extreme elaborate scenario to try to entangle God in his talk. And he will try to paint the most extreme set of circumstances to challenge the core fundamental doctrines of the word of God. In this case, the Sadducees are trying to paint an extreme scenario in order to challenge the resurrection of the dead. Now, I want you to understand something. The resurrection of the dead is everything. If there's no resurrection of the dead, we're wasting our time. The apostle Paul said, if, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, if we rise not, there is no resurrection of Christ, there's no resurrection of the dead, then this whole thing is in vain. We might as well just pack up and go home. But he did rise from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we are going to rise from the dead because he is the first fruits of the resurrection. The fact that he rose from the dead means that we are going to rise from the dead because he is the first fruits of the resurrection. And those disciples were eyewitnesses of his majesty and their lives were taken from them because they refused to recant that he rose from the dead. They said, you better recant that he rose from the dead or we'll kill you. We'll chop your head off. We'll kill you. We'll murder you. They said, you can martyr us you can kill us you can decapitate us we know what we saw he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs he rose from the dead 
They walked to that grave and they looked inside and the angel said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen and is alive forevermore. They walked with him on the road to Emmaus. They didn't even know who he was, but he expounded unto them Moses and the Psalms and the prophets. Hallelujah. He appeared without walking through a door in the middle of all of them. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see. And Jesus said, reach forth thy finger reach hither thy hand Thomas said my Lord and my God yeah they saw it and he rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead we're gonna rise from the dead behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Now when this corruptible hath put on incorruption, and when this mortal hath put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we shall be caught up caught up caught up together with them in the cloud meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words we're gonna rise from the dead I said we're gonna rise from the dead on that great getting up morning when all the saints shall rise when the roll is called up yonder he said you do err he said I'm going to tell you what your error is here it is you don't know the scriptures that's your error and I'm going to tell somebody who's discouraged and you're feeling like you don't know which way to go I'm going to tell you where your error is you don't know the scriptures and because you don't know the scriptures you don't know the power of God if you knew, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you knew the scriptures, you would know the power of God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my God. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely, surely He shall deliver thee 
from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now you hear ye the word of the Lord. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. You said, but 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 look at all the people over here that are falling. And look at all the people over there that are falling. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Now listen. If you don't want to believe that, you don't have to believe that. But as for me and my house, we're standing on that word. You go ahead and get bogged down in whatever statistics you want to get bogged down in. But a thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. But the Bible says it shall not come nigh me. I don't have to answer for whether you believe it or not. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I know the scriptures. I know when you know the scriptures, you know the power of God. It's time to get your face back in this book. Ah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and Samuel, and Chronicles, and Kings. Come on, the books of poetry. Hallelujah. The major prophets, the minor prophets, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Acts of the Apostles, the Pauline epistles, the general epistles. Yes, the book of Revelation. You need to get back in the Word and know the Scriptures. And when that devil of false doctrine comes around and says, well, what if this happens and that happens and that happens and this happens and then what if that happens and then that happens and then this happens? Then what do you say? He said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God, for our bodies are going to be like the angels. Hallelujah. Neither marrying nor given in marriage. And the Bible says, I am the God of Abraham, and I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. And he is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. <laughs> then one of the lawyers walked up to him. Sadducees, folks, the Sadducees walked away astonished. And when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, the multitude was astonished at his doctrine. And the Pharisees heard he had put the Sadducees to silence. That's what the scriptures will do. The scriptures will put the voice of your enemy to silence. say to everybody who's worried tonight that worry is your cue to worship that worry is your cue to pray 
that worry is your cue to get in the book and learn some more scripture so you can have access to the power of God and put the Sadducees to silence. When the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, said, and this question is classic. This is classic. He said, Master, of course, Master, what is the greatest commandment? That's a classic question the devil likes to pose. What is the greatest commandment? See, the inference is some of them aren't important. Some of them don't matter. Which one really matters? And I think he honestly thought, Bishop, that, that Jesus was going to say, wow, that's a good question. Man, I never thought about that before. What is the greatest commandment? I mean, they're all pretty good. I mean, we probably shouldn't kill anybody. Probably shouldn't steal stuff. Probably shouldn't commit adultery. Man, I tell you, those are good ones right there. I tell you, I tell you what, get, I'll get back with you. I'll get back with you. That's not what he said. He said, let me tell you something. The greatest commandment in the law of God is this. Hear, O Israel, whoo, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shall you serve. And you shall love him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And he said, now the second is like unto it. And you didn't ask anything about the second. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you about the second Because it's like unto it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself And when you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength And you love your neighbor like you love yourself You're not going to go picking and choosing What commands you will and won't follow And when you'll be obedient And when you'll be disobedient Upon these hang all the law and the prophets when you love God with everything, he can't ask too much of you. You'll do anything he asks or commands you to do. Ah, hallelujah. Glory. Then the Bible said, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. Uh-oh. It's all fun and games till he starts asking you questions. See, here's the thing. When God asks a question, God's not asking the question to glean information. He already knows the answer to every question he's going to ask. Moses, what is that in nine hand? He already knows what's in Moses' hand, he's going to reveal to Moses what he can do with what is in his hand. What is your name, Jacob? He already knows what Jacob's name is. He's not for information. It's for revelation. He's going to reveal to him, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do you say that I am? He already knew who men said he, the son of man, was, and he already knew who they said he was. He was not asking for information. He was asking so that he could bring them to a point of revelation so when he asked them a question he said what think ye of Christ whose son is he and they knew they were on the spot and they knew that that he already had the answer and they could feel the heat of the question searing their soul and I can just see those Pharisees all lined up look looking at one another uh, son of David son of David son of David son of David hey son of David son of David Son of David, final answer. 
And Jesus said, yeah, I, I thought that's what you'd say, son of David. He said, then riddle me this. If David, he's merely the son of David, why then in the spirit? Whew, that's important. Why then in the spirit did David call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. What Jesus was telling them was that the Lord of glory, <laughs> the Lord of glory, Elohim, El Yon, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Nisai, Mekadesh, Sidkanu, Shema, Shalom, Rophe, Rohai, Jehovah God, the same God that thundered on Mount Sinai, the same God that delivered Daniel out of the lion's den, that same God who answered Job out of the whirlwind, that same God was going to become a man, manifest in human flesh. And when he did, he's not just going to be the Lord, but the Lord is my Lord. I said, the Lord is my Lord. He's the same God. God in heaven, God in earth. Father, son, root, branch, door to the sheepfold, the shepherd, the lamb. Hear what I'm telling you. He's one God. And when he walked this earth, he was the father in flesh. When he walked this earth, he was the only begotten son of the living God. When he walked this earth, he was the long-awaited Messiah. What Jesus was telling them was this. He was saying this. He's not just another part of a long succession of prophets. Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> and the Bible says that when he said that to them, no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man ask him any more questions from that day forth. You want to know why? Because that is the answer to every question. Jesus is Lord. It's the answer to every question. You don't have a question that that's not the answer to. Jesus is Lord. But why did that have to happen, Brother Joel? Jesus is Lord. But why did it have to happen to me? I don't know, but I'll tell you the answer. Jesus is Lord. Well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about the doctor's report I'm waiting to have returned? Jesus is Lord. Well, what's going on in our world today? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about the mark of the beast? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about North Korea? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about the San Andreas fault? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about Armageddon? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about COVID-19? Jesus is Lord. Well, what about a variant? An evolution of the virus? Jesus is Lord. Well, what if the economy crashes? Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. Come on, people of the name. Come on, people of the name. Come on, people of the name. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Come on, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Jesus is Lord. If you believe it, shout it. If you believe it, praise him. If you believe it, give him. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, we're going to answer every question you've ever asked. In the name of Jesus, lift up your hands unto him right now. Come on, all across this house. Lift up your hands to him right now. We're going to ask, we're going to answer every question that you've ever had. And we're going to answer every question that may confront you in the future. Here it is. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus, the Christ, he is Lord. Come on, somebody, put your foot on fear and say, Jesus is Lord. Come on, somebody, put your foot on the lies of the devil and say, Jesus is Lord. folks in the risers give him praise right now give him praise right now God wants to break the yoke of bondage off of you here's what I want us to do right now I want us to worship him like he's Lord come on I want us to worship him like he's Lord too many things have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. It's time to lift Jesus right now. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. Come on, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord.
I want you to take the questions that have been tormenting you from what's past, from what's coming, whatever question that has been plaguing your mind. I want you to take that question and I want you to lift it up to God right now. He's going to sanctify it. He's going to purify it. It's going to be a doorway to a revelation. It's going to be the doorway to a victory. From this point going forward, it loses its power over you. It doesn't get to depress you for one more day. It doesn't get to make you afraid. I'm speaking the word of life right now. It doesn't get to steal another moment of sleep from you. It doesn't get to make you afraid anymore. It doesn't get to condemn you anymore. Lift it up to God right now and let the power of his Lordship sanctify.